Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. This week I'm joined by King of New Waterford, Alan 2Ls McDonald, and by King of the Rants, Steve Steele, as we talk about the fallout from the Flames coach resigning and what it means for hockey in general. Gary McMahon also chats with us about Unai Emery losing his job at Arsenal and where does the club go from here. As always, you can join the conversation on Facebook and on Instagram. You can also subscribe on the website at www.downthepub.ca so you don't miss an episode. Now on with the show. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. And it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire, the ring of fire, the ring of fire. This week on the show, I'm joined by uh, Cape Breton royalty, um, <laughs> Alan McDonald. Uh, how's it going, Al? How are you? Good, pal. How are you? Uh, I'm also joined by regular guest star now, I guess, at this stage, uh, Steve, yeah, Steve Steele. Also Cape Breton royalty, by the way. Yeah. Well, no, he's more... Like he's not, he's known. We might be related. Where are you from? Uh, New Otford, but my mother's name is Steel. I'm from like Little Bredore. Okay, okay. No, it's, yeah, you, you guys can get a room later yeah. on. So, um, so I thought we'd t- talk about the uh, the controversy going on this week because we were talking about uh, you made some statements about hockey a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And I was right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did say fuck hockey, and it's coming out this week. A couple of scandals, and I just wanted to kind of just talk and kind of to see like what's going on so obviously this guy Bill Peters he was the head coach of the Flames he's been accused of racially abusing um, a player from and physically and physically okay so I guess the best thing to do would be for you just to let me know exactly what happened so the story is that Bill Peters was accused by a kid I think his name his last name is Alou either way I don't know his first name I think it's Akeem Akeem Alou of at one point coming in the locker room, I think when he was in junior or maybe it was a uh, with the AHL Rock with the first. AHL team, yeah. And he said the kid was listening to rap music, and Peters came in and said, "Turn that music off." It, there's a there's a blank there for a reason. Okay. And apparently there's stories of him like a skid, like hitting him and kicking him and punching him and stuff on the bench and things of that nature. And I mean, really, like obviously, there's no place for that in pro sports. Like, if you put your hands on somebody, you better be prepared. But like, Alou is not a a top level talent, so you can get away with that on someone at his level. Like, if he was doing that to Johnny Gaudreau in Calgary, I highly doubt anyone would have stood for it. But because he's a bench warmer who like or like a third or fourth liner, probably a fourth liner, he's not even in the league anymore. He's not even that old. You get away with it, and it's just it's just another thing that like shows what really goes on behind the scenes in hockey. Whether the culture is just all messed up and it's getting better as time goes on I was probably a little drunk a little hard on it two weeks ago but I feel like this Peter scandal is just the tip of the iceberg and we're going to get more and more and more stories about this sort of thing and I'm sure we're going to delve into it but yeah so uh, why do you think this has come up now like Alan what's like I just want to bring it back to uh, where we're at to present day with all these coaches and everything happening Uh, I think the biggest tip of the iceberg was when that cop got let go from the Leafs and today with the medium of Twitter it's so easy today to get your message out there to the media pick it up like for example there's a beat reporter that ran with the Mitch Marner story which happened to be true with the rookies right saying that out of the top out of their four rookies in their system they ranked in last and it was a thing that happened but at the same time it made Marner a better player was his feelings for at the time? Probably. Oh, but that's not the story I heard, Marner. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I heard it a little bit different. That he yeah. was he was asked to list the the the, 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 the people putting the, the highest to lowest effort. And by the way, Babcock has a history of doing this with equipment managers and all kinds of people in the nation. Yeah, I was just trying to dumb it down to the point where, but he, you got to you got to you got to look back. Mitch Marner. So in Bedford here a couple of years ago at the training camp. He was a uh, he was a star in the Ontario Hockey League. He ripped the league apart. I remember Dougie Gilmore being in Bedford and Halifax, and the word on the street was that this guy is gonna make the team. What can we do with him? He's eight years old, right? So I think a lot of things like skill wise, he was there, but the body wasn't. I think that's where like the disconnect might have been between him and the other rookies that he was nineteen years old and these other guys are twenty, twenty one, twenty two, right? Marner's obviously yeah. still small in stature as well. Yeah. 
But I think he, he, like because of the position he plays, maybe that doesn't. He's just a winger. He's a finesse winger. That's all he's ever going to be. But like the story was, it, it's super shitty. And the more you hear about Babcock, the worse it gets. If you follow, um, uh, I, I work with a former NHLer who's who's who knows uh, Mike Commodore. He used to play for Babcock in Detroit. And like that, if you go if you go look at Mike Commodore right now on Twitter, you Mike Commodore like spelled like the computer like Commodore sixty four. Pack your shit. Pack your shit. Exactly. Yeah. Hashtag pack your shit. They He's just, been doing that for years, and he used to be uh, just a yeah, top four defenseman when Calgary was really good early in 03. Yeah, when they had made that cup run, right? Yeah, yeah. So he he's been openly vocal about how bad Babcock is, and the stories about Babcock coming out. So like the thing what he did to Marner is he made him make a list of players that were putting in highest to lowest amount of effort, and apparently the lowest effort guys on the list were guys like Kadri and Bozak, I believe. I don't remember who else was on the list, but Kadri and Bozak were definitely on the list. So, you know, he's a rookie. His job's tenuous for the same reasons you just listed. He's young. He's undersized. We're not really sure what he's going to be. Obviously, the skill's there, but no one really knew what he was. So he, he's just trying to get his foot in the door. He doesn't want to rock any boats. The coach, the coach asks him to do something. He's going to do it. And Babcock goes up in the dressing room and reads his list. That, that was really fucking shitty. That's, that's, a sh- that's the shittiest thing you can do to an 18, 19-year-old kid, right? I think he was 19 when that happened, because I think Marner spent the first year in the AHL. Yeah, I think half of it has to do with um, Babcock's own uh, demeanor. He's always been very arrogant. Um, and Babcock also stubbornness. Even when he was in the media in the end, when they're fielding questions when he was in Arizona before he got canned, was uh, about the private jet coming when it was Dubez and Shanahan coming down. Like, no, they're just coming with John. Like, blah, 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 blah. And, kind of feel it off right so uh, I think I think a lot with that with the Mariner thing and then so that happened and then the tweet that uh, became a loose note was that he, I think it was like Babcock's protege he put it yeah he didn't Calgary, name right? it he didn't name but he put the airport code on it yeah YYC oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, it connect the dots then when you're talking about before a minor league team like it was Rockford Icehawks I just yeah. remember right now so when you look back at that 09 2010 you know, 10 years ago, Twitter wasn't the same medium it is today. It was growing. And, like, today you can send out a tweet. Uh, you have, you know, like this player. I'm not sure what his following is. Maybe it's, like, 20,000. Could be 40, 50 now in a week, right? It's probably grown, yeah. Yeah, even even exponentially. And, like, Sarah Siv, the reporter from uh, The Athletic, the Carolina beat writer, yep. um, she asked the same question to Rob Brindamore, who's now, I think, is he head coach Carolina? I think... Head coach, yes. Yeah, so he yes. was he was assistant to Bill Peters for all this, and he and confirmed Carolina. that they had issues in Carolina with Bill Peters, and you know he basically said like well, the, the owner same of the, type of things happened. The owner right? of the Hurricanes came out and said I was unaware of this, and then Brendan Moore was like, oh, quite the contrary. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of that too when you're talking about like talking culture and stuff, it's just like a lot of sports, a lot of things they try to keep keep inside, um, and that and I think like the head coaches they have that much, they think they have this much power, and like. It's starting to change, right, with all these well, different things happening. In a loose right? case, he does. Because, like I said, a lose like a fourth liner probably at the best of times at an NHL level. So, like I said, if it was Johnny Gaudreau he was pulling this stunt with, it would, Gaudreau was like the star for the Flames, right? You wouldn't get away with that. Now, Marner was an unproven rookie when Babcock did that. But I think what that did was sour Marner on Babcock for the rest of his career. And a lot of guys, because you can look at the way the Leafs are playing since they fired Babcock, and it's a whole different hockey team. I think they were glad to get rid of that fog over their heads. Because more often than not now, in a salary cap sport like hockey now is, teams are younger because these rookie contracts are so important. Like the Leafs have almost all their salary cap tied up in four players. So that team is very young at a lot of levels. So these are kids now. It's a different world. The old toothless hockey grin guys from the 80s and 90s and maybe even the early 2000s are gone now. you got guys that, like, you know, they're not going out and partying, getting drunk and doing blow. They're going back to their hotel rooms and playing Fortnite. It's, 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 a, yeah. different, it's a different league. And, like, I'm not saying that these kids are sensitive, but, like, they're more sensitive than, like, the old traditional hockey guard were. And that's not a bad thing. It's just... I think we're going to see more of this coming. This isn't the end of this, is what I'm trying to say. So, so well, why don't like why is this coming out now? Why did this? Because it can. No, but why did why did he decide it like uh, just to randomly send that tweet out? It's kind of weird. oh, because the Babcock shit came out. Then when the Babcock yeah, shit came like out, a domino effect. Yeah, right? and, and, and so sh- the Babcock stuff came out first, did it? Yes, oh, after. So like, what is the beat writer and all that? That was the first thing, and then Bill Peters when this tweet came out, they played Tuesday night. Yes. And they lost in overtime. And usually uh, the head coach would address the media right after the game. But this time it was uh, Trivling, the GM. Yep. He filled out the questions. And that's, you know, it was probably Calgary's Pierre thing. is like, don't let him talk. He, You know, all these tweet, tweets this are coming out. Right now, yeah. All these media are picking up on it. This guy just came off the bench. He's not going to have an, any idea that this just happened, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I think like the track record speaks for itself. Peters didn't get fired. He resigned Friday. It was probably one of those close door meetings that like here it is, yeah. right? You're done. They sat him that Wednesday night, which is unheard of. You never sit a head coach, right? Um, so those were like some of the biggest things. And and about this Alou, um, he had that sit down with the NHL today with Gary Batman. Um, they're trying to be as transparent. They're trying to grow the game. Um, hockey years ago used to be more of like the enforcers, those fourth line of guys, course, yeah. right? Um, and now today it's getting faster, smaller guys like the Mariners and stuff. Like you know what? He probably wasn't ready, but at the same time you got to channel your message correctly to these young players, right? And that's where you've seen a lot of this backlash happening, right? I mean, I'm I'm all for transparency in the league cleaning itself up. Like I said, I, I came on here a couple weeks ago and just shit all over hockey culture. So like the fact that this is coming to light. And things are already starting to improve is a positive. I don't want to like cast aspersions, but like now, um, a person I was always a huge fan of for being vocal about how shitty hockey could be was Sean Avery. Now Avery's coming out about Mark Crawford again, one of those old guard guys that was successful in the '90s, never really translated well, but just kept getting jobs being shitty. Like I'm sure we're gonna hear more and more and more as time goes on. Actually, um, Crawford was successful in Vancouver, though. He was mildly yeah. successful. He was most successful in Colorado in the '90s. Yeah. Yeah, he, he won a cup in Colorado with Sackick and Forsberg and Vaughn and all those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, those 90s Avalanche teams are really good. I think there was a, another guy who came out and said something about Crawford as well. Yeah, Crawford, Crawford's not, you know, it's just different. It's that old school mentality, right? Yeah. They all come from the same generation. And I'm not so. trying to say that Mark Crawford's a bad guy even, like, but I'll tell you a story. I, again, I work with a former NHL, I won't name his name, and he told me a story about, like, Keenan kicking guys in the ass and punching them in the stomach and all. Like, that's Mike Keenan, who's long gone from the game now. But Keenan won a cup in New York with the Rangers in 94, coached the Blues. That's Coach where, in the KHL in Russia. Coach in the KHL in Russia. Like, you know, those old bred hockey guys, again, like the Don Cherries, right? Like that old mentality is still very real. So when they say that, like, hockey has a bully in, like, archaic culture, it does. But it looks like it's moving in the right direction. I'm not saying it needs to be everyone needs to be careful of everyone's feelings. It's still pro sports. There's still a ton of testosterone. We need to keep that somewhat level, right? But Because, like, it's not an easy side game. Hockey's tough. The, fl- the Flames have to be applauded for how quickly they of course. reacted to it. I think it was, it was a ticking time bomb, too. They were a 500 team. And they were yeah, he, he, he was yeah. underperforming anyway, right? Like yeah. they, they were the first seed last year in the playoffs and got swept. Or no, they didn't get swept, did they? They went up quick, though. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they should have went way farther than they did. They, they were, were knocked out the first round. round. Yeah. They got knocked out the first round. Like, the two number one seeds last year in the playoffs went out the first round. Tampa got swept by Columbus. They were the first in the East, and Calgary was the first in the West. And I think they went up five or six to Colorado. If I'm not mistaken. So, like, he had, like, they had put all his talent on the ice. They had a great regular season. They get to the playoffs and you fail. And, like, it doesn't matter what sport, which sport you watch or play or whatever the case would be. Regular season success turning into absolute playoff failure is always a ticking time bomb for a head coach. The Flames came out the gates flat came out the gates flat this year. It was only a matter of time before he probably got cut anyway, but this just probably sped it up. And it's good because there's, like, it's, it's, it's sending a positive message. Like, we won't stand for this. And I applaud... I hate to say this, this is the first time in my life. I applaud Gary Bettman for like looking into it and stuff, and I never applaud Gary Bettman. So I think I think it's a good thing. Like I, I think like I think more of this needs to come out. Submarining Babcock, Crawford. Don't know all the details. I do believe Sean Avery is intellectually honest. Uh, Alou, uh, back to Avery though for a quick second. His track record was never the best in the NHL. He, he's uh, mm. he was an inf- enforcer and all that, but he, he was, was antagonist. A, he was a bad boy. Um, like to the media, the sloppy seconds thing with Dion Phaneuf now, his wife, um, that <laughs> oh, actress. That, oh, okay. I, right? Yeah. That, that was him. The, the, okay. This right? is the money point right here because I'm an Avery fan, but I'm going to let you continue. Yeah. And like he also has a big following on social media, right? And he's trying to grow his – he was trying to – he's trying to get bigger in the media. Like he's still living in New York City, correct? Yeah, right? he works in fashion magazines and stuff. Yeah. Like that. He's transitioned so, to a successful secondary career. So he's, you know, he's trying to get his name out there too, right? But the other thing, like going back to that um, – you talk about like the culture of the game and everything. Sean Avery was always that bad boy. So Crawford gave him a little kick in the arse. It's probably because, right? It was probably because taking the stupid penalty and like there's a lot of shit that happens. In the yeah. Game, right? So a- Avery would take stupid penalties, but Sean Avery was like a weird misnomer in hockey because he had a fucking personality. Yeah. So Sean Avery would speak his mind. He was Sean damaged goods, right? Yeah, I guess. He went, Dallas. Yeah. He he, he he disturbed the status quo is what we'll put it. Like he became a bad guy basically overnight with the Brodeur antics, right? 
Yeah, but he, he was still like, I, I know. He was still a bad boy before that. Too. But he wasn't but that really... playoff where he was, you know, flashing, so, the, getting under his skin. I talked about this on uh, Armchair Commentaries too with Sean Avery, why I'm a huge fan. Is Sean Avery's beef with Martin Broder is what put him on a national stage. Like it made him popular. But, yeah, Mass Square Garden. So yeah. why he had a beef with Martin Broder is Martin Broder had actually left his wife for his, I think his his wife's nanny or something like that or like like a I complete know. and total scandal left the kids and wife high and dry for this nanny no one knows about it because that's not that's not something that gets reported in hockey press so Avery antagonized him on it and he's like I don't know why I'm the bad guy I'm not out here like you know breaking up homes and wrecking things and, <laughs> and it's true right like when you really put it in a grand scheme outside that little tiny hockey bubble Avery <laughs> was Avery was the good guy Brodeur was a piece of shit meanwhile Brodeur is in rental yeah, cards yeah Brodeur might be the best goal Ever to play the Strong game. disagree on that, but I, I, I wouldn't. I would put his record next to anyone's. Record. He played the area hockey played and definitely enhances it. But okay, I talked about his physical abuse in my book four years ago, kicking me and others on the bench. Verbal abuse included homophobic slurs. And I mean, homophobic slurs in hockey are not fucking shocking. Uh, homophobic slurs in every sport. Right? I agree. Right? I agree. It's, I, it's, not, it's not just one sport. I I, I would agree yeah. with you on that one as well. I mean, I'm not going to say like. Hold on. This is not the first time former Islanders accused Crawford of misconduct. Brent Sopel told the Spit and Chicklets podcast that Crawford kicked and choked him while he played under the coach in Ottawa. So, yeah, it looks like Crawford's time is up now, too. So, like, because, like, you know, Brent Sopel's not some drama queen. He's just out there. And he did it on Spit and Chicklets. Spit and Chicklets is a very renowned hockey podcast. It's actually a really good podcast. And, yeah, like, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I said two weeks ago. This was the shit. Like, I'm not here to completely sandbag hockey. Because like, I'm sure I know this shit happens in football too. Just a case in point, like since he said like this is an football. What else do you think happens in every sport? I'm talking yeah. American football, by yeah. the way. But like it's the same in soccer. Like I mean, yeah, but cricket. I mean, it's it's yeah, an every yeah sport, like there's a hyper masculinity in sports, correct? Yeah. So how many closer matches like right now? Um, which which team in Italy? They're having a closer match. Oh, uh, I think it's a. Uh, oh God! It's so, so a couple of weeks ago, like Balotelli was like Mario Balotelli was playing. Against, uh, I can't remember which team was. He plays for Brescia right now, and he was racially abused from the stands. Um, oh, geez, that happens in hockey every year, but in football and yeah, basketball as well. Yeah. So, like, and Italy has a huge problem with this. Not saying that England's any better, but um, they they came out, he came out and he almost walked off the pitch and all that kind of stuff and then the chairman of the team that they were playing said that it's not that big of a deal it was of kind course of, not and then his own chairman then kind of didn't really back him either so it's, it's like Italy's a really shitty place for this kind of stuff because they've got like these ultras so it's like all these kind of right wing guys that attach themselves to certain clubs and it's it's that it's part of their culture. Like obviously, Italy was a fascist country, and there's yeah, still a little bit. Like that, yeah. yeah, so it's mm-hmm. still a little bit running through it. So, but just going back to like the actual bullying itself. Like I mean, like there's famously Alex Ferguson would be the hairdryer where he would like literally like freak out at the players and like mm-hmm. kick stuff around where he hit Beckham in the face with a boot and all this kind of stuff. So it is obviously as you said, like I mean, it's a pressure business because like, these coaches are under. A hell of a lot of pressure too. Like I'm sure the guy in Calgary was probably under immense pressure too, right? So I mean, I'm blaming hypermasculinity a lot here. So let me let me run this back. A story came out about two years ago about the WNBA and its strong lesbian culture and how the lesbians in the WNBA bullied heterosexual women. I know it, it, that's that's something that won't make left wing media. I, we just you can tell that it's all kinds of hot topics there that you just don't want to touch on. So two weeks ago, I trashed hockey for this, but the, hockey's not alone. It's just hockey's so ingrained in Canadian culture that it's easiest for me to pick on it. Uh, but like whether it's hypermasculinity, and that's technically theoretically, even though it's women, it's still hypermasculinity playing out, and that's a ba- women's basketball. So it, it, it permeates all sports. Uh, football is, well, are you hurt or are you injured? Don't be a pussy and all that stuff. And I'm talking about American football, obviously. Concussion protocol. But like, meanwhile, yeah, that's, but, that's but meanwhile in the NBA, it's like, you know, everyone's losing their minds because Kawhi Leonard doesn't play back-to-backs. Not so low like, management. Yeah, load management's yeah. like a whole thing right now because Kawhi's in L.A. now instead of in Toronto. When he was load managing in Toronto last year, the, state, the, New, the American media didn't give a fuck because it was happening here and they didn't give a shit about the Raptors. The Raptors won a championship. He went to L.A. and all of a sudden, like, what's this bullshit about him not playing every night? What do you mean he's not going to be on ESPN tonight? Why, why is he here? So, like, that no one cares. So, like, I think basketball... I said this on other podcasts too. Is I think basketball's kind of got the NBA's gone in the opposite direction where they give the players a little too much power. I'm not saying player empowerment is a bad thing, but I think the NBA might be gone a little too far. But then again, I'm not going to hear badmouth Kawhi for his load management. 
he brought the Raptors a championship last year, which is like the highlight of my life. So no, nothing negative about it. But in hockey, in American football, the NFL will say Major League Baseball, like playing injured is like manly. Like, yo, aggravate that uh, aggravated Achilles tendon you got. Like, Kevin Durant coming back last year in the finals, even though everyone knew he wasn't ready. I You can talk to people that I work with at Arrow at the time. Like, he's going to hurt himself really bad tonight when he plays. And like, oh, come on. And you're like, I'm serious. He's going to. You could tell on his first injury. Well, I, think, I think that's competitive the sport, too, right? You want well, to be Well, I think Kevin play, Durant right? wanted to play. Yeah. Yeah. So your body feels good. Like, you can feel like you're all right. And then all that, that fucking peer pressure. Like, be a man, man. Get out there. It's not that bad. But you also have to kind of, like, be a realist sometimes. And I'm sure, like... Obviously, I, wish, I bet you Kevin Durant wish he was realistic. No, that's what I mean. I bet like the uh, like the 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 physio guys were probably like, "This is a bad idea." No, do it. no, everyone okayed it. And uh, Jesus Christ! So I'll get into this real quick because again, it's important. Uh, Kevin Durant last year in Game Four or Five, I think it was Game Four against Houston. It was Five? I think it was, five, it was yeah. Game Four or Five against yeah. Houston. It, anyway, it's elimination or something. No, it wasn't elimination game. It was uh, Houston that tied the series in the game he got hurt. Yeah, and I'm thinking later, like yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin Durant came down and it basically looked like he ruptured his Achilles on a, a on a jump shot against the Houston Rockets. It, everyone was like even Reggie Miller on commentary you can look at the clip is like oh that was an Achilles. Like you can all everyone could see it but then the Warriors released a report saying it was a strained calf. Oh Jesus. It was game 5. Yeah. So it was it, it was a strained calf injury but he also got hurt in game 5 against the Raptors. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I'm that's ta- what I was saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't want to talk about Yeah, that. I'm talking about yeah. Houston. Yeah. So, uh, in the Houston series, which is the, I believe, the second round of playoffs, so they played Portland in the conference finals. Yeah, I thought you meant Toronto. And- yeah, so yeah. everyone was like, okay, he's done. Shut him down, blah, blah, blah. Like, we don't, the Warriors didn't need him. They still swept the Portland Trailblazers in the conference final. They won the next two games against Houston. They went on. Everything looked good. And then they ran into Toronto, and all of a sudden Toronto was kicking up a bit of fuss. And all of a sudden, this mounting pressure: Will Kevin Durant play? Will Kevin Durant play? Oh my god! Yeah, I know. No, again, everyone's kind of covered their asses on this, so this, the narrative will never be covered. But I've been watching basketball my whole fucking life. I saw what happened to him. So the game starts in Game Five. He comes out. He looks phenomenal. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat. He's Kevin fucking Durant. You can't guard him. He's the best pure scorer in basketball. But he hasn't planted yet. Like, he hasn't had a plant yet. There are a lot of quick pop jumpers. He hasn't done a lot of dribbling yet. So they give him a ball on the ice at the top of the, uh, at the perimeter with Abaka, his former teammate in New Orleans, who knows how to guard him. And Durant puts his back into him, and then he goes to plant and push off. And you can watch the motherfucker oh. roll up his leg. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And, and we got uh, Canadian sports fans and Toronto sports fans got shit on because we kind of cheered. But also, it resulted in the fast break. And I think Raptors fans saw that, like, Kevin Durant could murder us. So when he went down, like man, we're back. Like we're good. I know it sounds terrible. It's but terrible, but, but that's, like, that's that's sports. Yeah, exactly. I, like with the well, Andre Gomez like breaking his leg there like, a couple of weeks ago against Tottenham. Like I mean, at the time you're kind of like, oh, you know, that's like one of their better players, and then you're just like, oh fuck, because the, the human side of it kicks. I, in, I came right? out of my chair and said, I fucking told you when he collapsed to the floor. I. I, I I know, it, like I, I told everybody I know, and I'm like he's gonna hurt himself. And I was like, man, you're just like you're just being optimistic. Like, you know, I want to win. I'm a Raptors fan. I don't want to. I didn't want to see Kevin Durant. I, I hate Kevin Durant for the record. I didn't. I don't want to see anyone tear their Achilles tendon. I, I, I don't care who he is. That's like career ending stuff. And you're talking about like one of the best players in a league, seven right? foot tall, like speedy guy like he is, and the plants that use his feet so much. We're gonna see a much different Kevin Durant in 2020, 2021 when he comes back because he's not gonna play this year. And he, Brooklyn still gave him a whack of money. But the counter to that is Clay Thompson, his teammate of the Warriors, also suffered a basically career-defining injury when he tore his ACL and MCL against the Raptors. He got hurt. In, he got hurt in the Houston series. Played through it because he's a man. You got to play through it. The sports, the playoffs. This is where heroes are made. And he kept playing, and then he hurt himself again. I think he hurt his hamstring against Toronto. He had to sit out a game, and poor Steph looked exhausted. They lost Game Three to us. Came back for Game Four. Wasn't healthy enough. Played well enough in Game 5 to get them the win, and he was on fire in Game 6, and he went up for a dunk, basically almost uncontested, and he landed, and what happens when you play hurt, yeah, when you play hurt, your body compensates, and things go to other places, so all the compensating for all the weird ailments that he had led to him just blowing out his whole knee, and now he's not going to be the same, and Golden State went from being this untouchable titan to this little teddy bear overnight over injuries. Are they still bottom? Not just oh, injuries, all but players left the team too. Right? Kevin Durant left, but he wouldn't yeah. play this year anyway. And they, they had to, they had to unload Iguodala, yeah. and they had to unload Sean Livingston retired. They, they lost some guys, absolutely. Yeah. But now they're like what four and fourteen, three and fourteen. And Clay Thompson's still out. Too, Clay, right? Yeah, Clay Thompson's yeah. not going to play this year either. Yeah. So Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson both got hurt in the NBA Finals really badly and will not play the entirety of the season. So out of their starting five, who they have right now. 
Uh, well, Steph broke his hand, so that doesn't help things. They're yeah. their other best players. So they're playing a bench team. They got they got D'Angelo Russell, who they got in the Kevin Durant deal, and they're playing Draymond Green and a bunch of young kids, mm-hmm. and they suck. And I mean, like, it's fine. They just built a new arena, like, but it's not a. It's it, considering they literally dominate the league for the last five years. How 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 quickly they, how quickly around. Titans fall, right? Like. Especially, especially with the NBA free agency too, right? Well, yeah. like a lot of players like moved around. But I think that's a good thing money. though about the NBA, because like, I mean, like, obviously, like in football, like it's in not. Soccer, I think it's, with it's the, just like constantly the same teams over and over. I don't right? think it is though, because like what's happening is players are very much dictating who's going to be good, and free agents want to play in warm weather, so they're all heading back west. And, and think oh. of it too: the money that they're getting paid, you're only playing twelve players, no salary cap, nothing, right? So There's a lot salary of, cap. Yeah, but like they're There's still a, making like thirty six million and like crazy deals. Well, like the that, NBA right? actually pays its players on like most sports, right? No, but like, it, no. Well, what I'm saying is that you're only paying twelve players on a roster. Football's eighty. Yeah. Soccer, what twenty five? Twenty five. Twenty five. They're playing. You know, also like the kids, right? Yeah, and your reserve team yep. and all that. But like the D League, they're lucky to yeah. pay for their groceries, right? <laughs> yeah. To be honest, you're not know, wrong. It's yeah, like, they'd probably make about sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. And I, and I and I think to your point before about where the players are dictating, it's they're also with all that money, they're like the top paying athletes. So if LeBron has a shoe deal and you know um, LeBron has do balance with Kawhi, with Kawhi, right? Kyrie got his own shoe deal. All these guys. And especially like with China, with that, I don't know if we should get into that. The Dale Morey thing, yeah. But I'd love to, but I don't think we have enough time. But um, yeah, so like the only part that I wanted to get to that was with the uh, just with how the league is trying to grow their game too. And China's a huge market, and you don't want to, you know, piss off the Chinese. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, yeah. no, no corporate overlord in America wants to upset China anyway, yeah. right? Like the only one trying, it's like is LeBron said, what he said, and, and then that's the president. Right? Like, yeah, so, so the only yeah. the only moron in America wants to piss off China is the Cheeto in chief, right? So I mean, like. So just bring it back just a little bit to... Uh, the, We're the, talking about the culture of sports, yeah. right? Yeah. So for, for, for you, like when you were a kid, did you play hockey when you were growing up or anything like that? Yeah, and like even like in baseball too, like on second base, my knee's still a mess. Like yeah, you, you can still it. see, right? And you so, talked about my injuries two weeks ago, right? right? So, so do you like... Do you play through it? Like but, but, when, you're, when you're 15, well, 16 years old, What was that like old, pressure right? from the coaches? Absolutely. Or, like, did, did well, yeah, we were in a playoff in Bridgewater when mine happened, but like originally before that... Like I heard it the first time in Inverness and Anyganish was a was a regional playoff, and then we went to provincials in Bridgewater. So, so obviously, like I didn't grow up around the hockey oh, culture. I, I, I so did from. you guys like have like was there did you was there bullying when you guys were playing like junior hockey or anything? Like Hamilton gloves. I don't know. You heard I that played before. football in high school and got a concussion. And the coach tried to get me back on the field three snaps later, and I was like, I didn't know who I was. Jesus Christ, man. Well, I mean, the famous you Canadian... You still don't know who you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, let's look at the point. How much hockey... We're going to go back to hockey here real quick. So, everyone in Canada knows the Paul Henderson goal in 1972. What people don't talk about is Paul Henderson got his bell rung with seeing double when he hopped back on the ice and had a concussion when he scored that famous goal. Paul Correa, Steve... Uh, Paul Scott Curry, Stevens. Yeah, Paul... Well, Same I mean, thing, Scott, 2003 Scott, playoffs. Scott he was Stevens, knocked out. Scott Stevens damn near killed a bunch of guys. Uh, yeah. you, if, you ever, if you're bored and you haven't seen Scott Stevens... Uh, Scott Stevens and the New Jersey Devils again a beneficiary to the uh, Brodeur situation uh, used to funnel guys to this big old bastard named Scott Stevens that used to jump and leave his feet and hit guys in the head, and that was per- and that was when awesome. he when he hit when he hit Korea though it was with his shoulder that was a clean hit then go look at the one that he hit on uh, Kozlov because he always hit with his shoulder like Scott Stevens yeah, was a very big player right yeah he shoulder yeah. in the face. Wow, that's nice. I'm not saying, but he would get the elbow up sometimes too. Like I, I, I look, Scott Stevens was one of my favorite defensemen growing up. I remember him because back then in the culture, that was considered cool and awesome. And the game was about to transition too. Like you got to remember, this is 2003, so Curry is a small player. 2004 was lockout. That was probably the most brutal lockout the NHL ever had, right? Oh, it is the most brutal. Lockout yeah, ever, yeah, like they didn't have a season, and a lot of it had to do with like growing up too. Bringing it back again, um, if you're a small player, if you're five foot seven. There's no way you'd be in the NHL. Today, like, Brad Marchand, do you think you'd be in the NHL today if it was 1998? I mean, you're raising valid points, but Martin St. Louis helped carry Tampa Bay to a Stanley Cup of 5'8". But right before that. But he was with Calgary, and he was no one to win the NHL. He was considered too small. You're right. right. That's true. Yeah. 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 He, 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 he did develop as a player, and he progressed better as the NHL got faster. Shit, shit right? happens in every sport. Yeah. Like, uh, the number one overall pick for the Arizona Cardinals, a quarterback this year, his name's Kyler Murray. He's like 5'9", and like they literally make little memes like Kyler Murray under center for the Cardinals, and it's like a little baby Yoda. Yoda. Yeah, he, was, he was the first overall pick for MLB as well, right? He was Oakland. the Oakland A's draft. Turned as well, yeah. yeah. But people make fun of He's too small. He's 5'9". He's everywhere. The prototypical quarterback in the NFL is like 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", stands in the pocket, looks over one and throws the ball. 
So, like, size is always going to play a part in sports. Basketball, you're considered undersized. Fred Fleet last year got trashed for being too small against Philadelphia. and He wasn't effective because Philly was so long. They could guard He's him undrafted, now. too, right? Fred Fleet is like, undrafted at Illinois. Yeah, yes, he yeah. is. Um, but, like, size in that whole, like, size is the thing anyway. You can't go on a dating app and not hear about, like, you know, under six feet tall. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's, it's, it, it permeates everything in masculinity is your size. Like, me, I'm, like, 6'2", 250. I don't have these problems. But, like, you know, if you're 5'6", five, 5'7", five, you've probably heard it your whole life, sports or otherwise. And that culture... I mean, hockey's not exclusive to that. But what he's saying is true. Probably Marshawn. Probably, probably someone would have taken you know it, it was. It's Marshawn's a really good player now. But would he have developed? Is probably no. He wouldn't have the chance. He wouldn't have the chance. Yeah, like and someone was, probably would have taken his head off for his antics. Yeah, and it would have been a lot. There would have been enforcers then too, right? Yeah, like, you know, a guy like Stu Grimson might have caught him going to the bench with like fourteen punches or like a whack <laughs> in the head with a stick. That was what hockey used I, to be, though. I, I honestly like can't believe that. Like, obviously, like. Football was brutal back in the day. Like I mean, like you could slide tackle and you tackle from behind and all that kind of stuff. But like, listen to how brutal hockey was. Oh man, it's if you, scary as it, shit. It still is. If like, your listeners want to know more about Bergeron. it, bring up like the top tier Scott. Like bring the, uh, bring up the career defining hits of Scott Stevens or top even Scott Stevens' best hits. You'll fucking vomit at what he was allowed to get away with. The NHL was just a different world in the 90s, especially when it transitioned to the trap and, like, Lou Lamorello and the Devils and Larry Robinson and those guys. And the way these... Uh, the old Devils players like Danico and Niedermeyer have admitted, like, they used to funnel guys and Stevens always oh, got his head down. Like, let's just funnel him in. And then Stevens, 6'4", 240, jump up in the air and fucking clobber them in the head with his shoulder. But we didn't know. Bobby Clark called Eric Lindros a pussy for not playing through concussions. Like, we just didn't know what traumatic brain injury was in the 90s compared to what we know now. So, is it okay? No, but ignorance is bliss. So, I, I feel like that's important to know. Like, these guys weren't barbarians. Does that come from the, the fan culture, too? Where, like, you know... like Oh, yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I think I, a lot of I the science like, got better, too, right? I, I feel like... Well, yeah. Come on, we, yeah. Just, we discovered... Uh, like, look at brain Crosby, brain. right? Like, he's... Uh, he's, a, he's a one knock away from you being know? done, too, right? Like, yeah. Like, he's fucked. Like, I mean, yeah. I, even since I, like, moved here, like, I've known, like, he's had, like, what, four or five? Three or four. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's one knock away. But like a, a rather really bad one is the guy that played for Pittsburgh. I think his name is Matt Cook, and he fucking destroyed Mark Savard intentionally. You, you, I don't know if you, got, you you may not remember this. Uh, Mark Savard played for the Bruins. Yeah, and Matt Cook played for the Penguins, and he came cut across. Savard has the puck, kind of has his head down a little bit. Matt Cook comes across. It was someone someone from Philly that hit him though. It wasn't uh, the bad hit is Cook. Is it Cook? Cook Cook's the yeah. one that killed Savard. Savard came back and played against Philly in the playoffs, but had to leave scored. the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah he scored the game winner too. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like it, we'll, we'll bring it up real quick. We got time. Yeah. Matt Cook hits Mark Savard. It, it's brutal. And this is only like ten years ago, if that. Look, look right there, Matt Cook, Mark Savard. It, it, it's coming. Like this, uh, just knocks out Mark Savard. Yeah, this is it. This, so you say, here we go. Wait, wait, just killed him. Like, ruined, killed his career. Like, ended it. He 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 came back, but it was, he was. Done. He came back for yeah. like a couple he games. Played, play. he, he played, scored that big goal against Philly. It was, that was a year later. Course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when you see the replay here, you'll see what he does. And like Crosby went on national television and in interviews and defended this, by the way. So just you know, like the hockey culture, right? Got to uh, stick up for the boys. I think it was more sticking up for his team too. Of course, but team, is that ever? Right? But when when yeah. fucking Washington did it to Crosby a year later, was everyone? Yeah, so but it's it's apples and oranges, right? Like it's I don't. You're, yeah, you're this hit is way own. this hit is way more vicious than the one they got put on. Like, I feel like they like they're, like they're doing their own sport to deserve his boy allowing this. Well, this is this is 2010. So yeah, this is like 2009, 2010. This happened. Uh, I'm sure there's some hits in her. Oh, here comes here. Bad. So look, so Savard's right there in the white. Watch, watch. So he's got the puck. Here comes Cook behind, and oh yeah, see okay. that? There's no defending that. You can't watch that clip and be like, oh, you know, he, that, that's intentional. You know what you're doing there. But since then, the NHL has taken big well, measures with headshots and, and reoffending. Well, Crosby got bring up Marshawn again. He he's like eight hundred thousand in fines right now. For, yeah, but he's not hitting guys and stuff right now. So, like, Marshawn may be a piece of shit in a lot of ways. He's not Matt Cook, though. Marshawn will lick someone's face, which is uncomfortable to watch. He'll do all kinds of little pesty shit, maybe give you a little spear in the hip. But, like, that what is that one, That's attempted fucking murder, man. All I know is that one is bad. That's one of the worst ones I've ever seen. And everybody, like, not everybody. Savard didn't play that 2011. No, he didn't. No, he, but he, he got a couple. Was he a good player? Yes, yeah. he was. He, so he, was, he, he came. He, he was Boston's second line center. Yeah, he came over from Atlanta. They made a big trade. Rich Peverly, another player, uh, after he left the Bruins, same trade, I think. Uh, Peverly, he had that. Uh, he went down on the bench. You'd so, have to look it up. Something happened. So, so, like, so obviously, like you see, like these guys who played football, 
like American football like dying when they're in their 50s yeah bit, like they're being so hockey fun. players too though is that is that is a trend with hockey players too yeah a lot of the goons, the enforcers a lot of a lot goons of have died young like Wade Belak was like what 35 oh, when yeah. he died like Jesus Christ uh, there was a guy from Minnesota that was a big one uh, yeah the uh, B- Booger Derek Booger yeah the boogeyman yeah. uh Bob Probert was a notorious. He has a really good book too. Bob Probert. Yeah, Bob Probert died in like 2002, about four years after his career ended. Three years after his career ended. Like these are not old men. Like this shit. This shit is real. Even like the fucking goalie Ray Emery didn't he commit suicide? Like I I don't. I'm not sure. I don't know. Happened at Hamilton. Yeah. Don't make. Don't quote me. I don't know if Ray Emery is a former goalie, but he was also a goalie that could fight. Emery was goalie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he was the goalie for the Senators, and the Senators went to finals. But um. I don't know if it was a suicide or how he died exactly. I don't want to say it was, but I think it might have been. Like, hockey players kill themselves, and it's really... It, 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 a lot of it comes from brain injury and taking knocks to the head. Like, I wouldn't just paint all hockey players that are going to kill themselves. No, no, I'm saying oh. hockey players are starting. I'm not saying... All, oh, yeah. Like, Same I, with football, too. Like, we, that's what he brought yeah, up. Yeah. yeah, Football is... like These are the two biggest sports with traumatic brain injury in North yeah. America. Mm-hmm. Like... LeBron James isn't getting fucking knocked out every night because guys are cutting across the center catching with elbows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's a little. And the different. rules are different in basketball. Like exactly, not, they are. So it's like, a contact sport. These are well, there's contact in basketball, but not like that. No, um, like that's what I mean. Like football and hockey are going to be your two primo ones on hyper masculinity and lacrosse. Let's start now next week. So, so has this has this actually like this kind of stuff? So that's obviously changed now. Like it's not allowed. Yeah, if he did that. Now he'd be he'd be suspended for the rest of the playoffs. I don't think Mark that Cook even got suspended for that. I don't quote me. He might have got a game. He might have got a game. I don't think so either. Holy no. shit! So, but if that happened today in 2019, and he did that to a starish player, if someone had done that to Sidney fucking Crosby, they'd never play in the league again. Like, period. The shot, the shot that happened to Crosby against Washington was belligerent. It was intentional. It, I'm not here to defend it, but it was nowhere near the level of like malice that was. If Mark Savard was Nathan McKinnon or. Alex Ovechkin, although Ovechkin's got some dicey hits on his resume too, but I think that's just more passion. I don't think he's trying to hurt people. Sarah was a ninety-point player then too. So, so yeah, Mark Sarah was a good hockey player. Yeah. So how did Crosby defend this? He, you can watch the interview. He's like, I, I, I didn't see anything wrong with it. But again, if it had happened to Crosby, like the whole fucking building would have erupted, right? Like, I'm not saying it should happen to Crosby because he defended it to Cook either. It's just that was the culture of hockey, just as simple as ten years ago. So just going back to the last couple of days and. The Babcock thing, the Peter yeah. thing, and all that. Avery and all of it. Yeah. So, how do you see this changing? It's not it, hockey going. Th- this forward? isn't going to happen overnight. This is going to take years and years and years. And I, I believe, like, and you get away from a little bit more of that, like, hyper dinosaur behavior. I think you're going to see more and more of this change. These are good first steps. These, this is not. They're not across the finish line yet. Like, they're, they're, they just got out of the starting blocks, and it, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, it's going to be a while, but these are positives. Like, uh, to, to be honest with you, as I said, like, I, I, I'm really, you know, I think it's great what the Flames have done that they just got rid of this guy straight away. Like, the Crawford guy is pretty much gone straight away, too. Like, Did they, they get rid of him? Is that official yet? Yeah, like, he's, well, Good. I think he's on, yeah, like, I think he resigned. Or then fuck him, too. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, so he, he steps away from the team. So basically, you know, that means that he's pretty much out. Good. I think there is, I, last I read it, I think they're reviewing on what I, But I also think they need to, like, it's not just the NHL I think it has to start from the grassroots like I agree I, I think that like nine hours ago <laughs> Chicago uh, Tribune after detailing abuse allegations former NHL player Sean Avery comes out in support of Black's Blackhawks assistant Mark Crawford I deserved it so yeah I think it was like I, more of those well me too would happen to me too what did I say yeah. about Sean Avery though he's intellectually honest and he's yeah. actually a good guy but the hockey media painted him a certain way because he wasn't part of the status quo he was always that bad boy and he'll always but be he really, right? but he really was make a comment like sloppy seconds he, he, he usually got caught doing locker room talk yeah. Like, yeah, fucking Trump's that grabbed by the pussy, and everyone's like, "Ah, it's locker room talk. It's okay." When you call, like, like if any of you guys want to sit here and claim someone's never had your sloppy seconds in life, I'll fucking punch you. Because you just said, it. <laughs> "I know you fucking said it." We've all time and place for everything, right? Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. Was it the right? Was it the right moment to say it? No, absolutely not. But no man casts a judgment on Sean Avery for that because I know we've all said. No, we probably don't want to have microphones and national media in our face when we say it. But we've all fucking said it. I'm guilty. You're guilty. You're likely guilty. We're all guilty of it. It is what it is. It doesn't make him a bad guy. Yeah, makes it, 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 it put a bit of a foot in my with itis, but not a bad guy. Like I, I definitely think this is like as we said, it's definitely a story that's going to keep on going and going. And I think. We're going to see a lot more people probably lose their jobs over the next couple of weeks, especially with how quickly um, the the teams are dealing with this kind of stuff. So, I th- I think a lot of it too is 
the transparency will get better. Coaches <laughs> treat others how you like to be treated. There'll be more of that player coach. So I think it'll get better. But um, I honestly think that it's not going to be just like hockey. I think we're going to see other sports where this. Because I mean, like you know, as I was just asking about like like ice hockey and stuff like that. I mean, like when I was growing up, like I mean, I had like coaches playing football and stuff like that, and like they take they took things very very seriously and I mean it was because you want to win yeah exactly right? and that's totally understandable but I mean there's means and ways of getting your message across and like kicking kids and calling them pussies and like fags and all that kind of stuff like that's the answer Jesus no but it just, it just can't it just can't be allowed anymore yeah, I mean, need to, like, no I agree yeah. I agree and we need to like as I said like, it has to start from the ground up like these guys are in their 50s or their 60s or whatever like that so I mean like they're the dinosaurs th- yeah they're not going to change it's like the Don Cherry thing he's not going to change it, and I, like Peter should be gone Babcock's gone Babcock will never work again that's obvious now but you think least, so? yeah his, re- his resume is really he, he won a gold medal too I, yeah, I but think he's he'll a, still he's out of touch with today's game I, I think I disagree I think he'll be back in the game he's, he's, yeah. only, like, he's only 55, 56 so I, I think he'll, yeah, I think I he'll, think he'll be again. back that resume alone like yeah. I, I can't see a team not picking him up two are, I think the other two are fucked though Oh, Bill Peters is fucked. Bill Peters never done shit. Bill, Bill Peters um, is a ticking time bomb. If you look at all these other teams that are coming out, so, I know he so, had So happen. you think there's going to be more stuff coming out about him? About, like, you know, <sighs> it could be. I think Babcock's not done yet. I think, I mean, as far as the things coming out about him, I think we're going to get more and more of that. But, yeah, but he, like uh, back to the Commodore from the start of the podcast. Um, Commodore never liked him from the beginning when he was there in Detroit. And there was that point on Spit and Chicklets. It's known. You can look it up. Mike Madano was probably one of the best American skaters ever. He fucked Madano out of his uh, 1500 career. 1499. Yeah. He was wrestling for the playoffs. Uh, and right? wasn't there something that uh, somebody I was a Babcock did to somebody in uh, Toronto as well? Uh, Jason Spezza. The first yeah. two games of the year, you're playing out of your old team. Yeah, he, he came here on 700,000. He's hometown yeah, he, guy. He benched him just to. Like, yeah. That was his own stubbornness, and that's what got him out of the job. But, but right? like, he lost it. Like, uh, with all these glaring incidents, this douchebag like I said the game's getting younger yeah. the style of Badcock's not going to hang around much longer Dubis is a young GM uh, Lou Limero with the Islanders now that he would have brought in Babcock and it was but the Islanders stuff, right? crazy young too and those guys yeah. you, the thing now is like back in the 90s guys used to talk you know maybe in between games or maybe they run in the bar in the offseason nowadays guys got each other on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network and texting on Twitter they communicate this shit yeah. so like it, maybe maybe Marner talks to a bunch of guys in the well, fucking Islanders dressing room and like I don't want to play when the Red Sox won the World Series Dave Price played Fortnite before they won the World Series see what right? I mean like, and Dave Price is older Dave Price is like my age it's funny you say that like I mean there was an incident there uh, a couple of years ago probably two or three years ago where there's a guy Roy Keane we did an episode on him on the podcast the Irish football, yeah. So he's like, so he, he plays. He used to play for Celtic and play for United. Then he was a, a, a that was the Clo podcast, right? Yeah. Well, I saw with Clo. So <laughs> so he was like, he was like on, he's the assistant manager for yeah. for Ireland, and he got into a huge fight with two of the guys. Same thing, kind of bullying them a little bit. He's got that kind of reputation, mm-hmm. and there was a WhatsApp group mess uh, voice chat. What's that? Yeah. But that went between all the players, and then that got released. Yeah, uh, and he he came across as a huge asshole in it, and yeah. and I think you um, can tie that back to the player Akeem Malou. Yeah, um, about Twitter now. Now today, like with WhatsApp, even with Twitter, when you have all this following, you can just blast that message out there. Ten years ago, you couldn't do that with Twitter. Twitter was out there, but like people are following like Shaq, and you know, it was the first two million followers. All that it's completely changed. Yeah, do, now right? it's first to a billion, which I believe yeah. is a billion followers. So yeah, like it's. So, it's so, yeah. so, so it, I almost feel like like it was like you know just sit back and watch the world born. You know what I mean? Well, that, just, yeah, we're just, heading for a Heath Ledger moment for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it's only gonna get worse before it gets better. But again, like the thing here is, I'm saying all these things need to get better. But I'm old. I'm a little older. I'm a little more traditional. Like I don't want to see hockey or professional sports become, and I hate to use this term, like SJW ridden. I believe there has to be a certain level of toughness and grittiness in sports. So meanwhile, while I am trying, like I don't believe coach should be able to beat players. I don't believe coach should be people should be allowed to say like the n word freely like they did with they, what he did. And it's the fucking with the team, Italy. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't want to see that either. But at the same time, like I don't want it to get like he yelled at me. Yeah, you know, I don't want that either. Right? I don't think you will see that though. That level of professionalism will come back. But, but you're right though. Yeah. I, I, I honestly feel like the players themselves now are way more professional like in, in most sports because it's all about nutrition and they're almost become like robots and like you're yeah right like we're kind of losing the personalities a little bit we lost that one but, but but on the flip side of that though then like you're, you're 
you're not having like shitty guys who didn't deserve to play professional hockey knocking out guys who yeah. like ruining careers. Joe Namath you know in football I mean? he's not going out getting drunk before the Super Bowl you know like the, the today game take, yeah like you're not going to see that with any of those football I hope not but like yeah. I mean some of my favorite Michael Jordan stories are like Jordan got hammered and played 36 levels of golf before going out and dropping 50 on the Phoenix Suns with <laughs> severe sunburn I love that story <laughs> or Dennis Rodman spending like two days straight in Atlantic City before like gabbing 26 rebounds against the Jazz I love that shit. Like, it almost adds... There's a guy in the 70s. He's dead now. He pitched a perfect game for the Pittsburgh Pirates high on LSD. Yeah, that, yeah. That. I love that stuff. Like, I'm not saying that's okay. No, no, yeah. But, well, like, I like those It adds stories. character. But, like, I, I'd much <laughs> rather hear about Michael Jordan doing 36 holes of golf, trying to bang Madonna, drinking, like, rum and cokes all night, dropping 50 on the Suns, than I want to hear about Austin Matthews winning three fucking games of Fortnite the night before. Wasn't the Madonna one Dennis Robin? No, well, the, yes. Ma- Robin actually did bang Madonna. Michael Jordan did not, apparently. So, apparently, <laughs> two of the three bulls from the 90s banged on a Pippen and Robin. Ooh, Jordan no, did not. Crazy. Wow. It was the 90s. I've got a lot more respect for Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Michael tried, though. Uh, that, look, I'm getting hypothetical. War. <laughs> oh this is not facts. I'm not... This is not something I witnessed personally. But, yeah, Michael Jordan apparently tried. And I'm not going to get into the details of that. But, yeah, Michael Jordan's the one of the three big three of the bulls that did not insert his penis into Madonna. <laughs> That's probably why he looks the healthiest out of the three. <laughs> That's why he's the richest. <laughs> Air Jordans took off after not banging an ugly Italian white woman with gaps in her teeth. So, oh, so, yeah. I, so I guess like just coming to the end, like the the takeaway from all this is that hopefully it's a start to like losing the dinosaur guys who just don't deserve to be in the sport with the way they act I'm kind of great I'm grateful that they're being called or, or adapt right yeah and, and that's the thing I mean yeah. like it should be a wake up call to all the other guys who are thinking about being shitty to people or who are being shitty to people that they're going to stop so yeah, embrace the change yeah, yeah exactly so I really want to appreciate you guys taking the time out on a uh, thanks for having me a horrible, a horrible Tuesday and just talking sports I've learned a lot which is kind of the whole point you're of always going to learn so. something with me yeah, yeah. Some, and you, some of the good, some of the bad. You just learned so. that Michael Jordan got drunk, yeah. played 36 holes of golf in the Arizona Sun, and then went up and dropped 50 that night. And you can watch the game. He's like, Michael Jordan's a very dark man. I, he's actually, much darker in that clip. I'm actually more disturbed by the fact that out of the, the three bulls, he was the one that didn't get his haul off Madonna. So. I know, right? <laughs> Fascinating. So, uh, Maybe next time I'll talk about my favorite Michael Jordan stories. Yeah. So uh, thanks again, Alan. I really appreciate you hanging out with me, man. And thanks again, Steve. It's Thank awesome. You. This week I'm joined by Arsenal guru uh, Gary McMahon. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Unai Emery's getting fired from Arsenal and who he thinks will take over. Uh, how's it going, Gary? Thanks for joining us this week. Cheers, Anthony. Thanks very much. Congratulations to thousands, a thousand uh, views, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, man. But uh, like, literally, like the podcast started off with me and my friend Dave sitting in a pub, just chewing the fat, and 14 weeks later, we've got a thousand listens, which is pretty cool. So I'm pretty happy with that. Thanks, man. Glad to be part of it. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, this part of it's down to you, I, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he got fired last week after another abject display against uh, Frankfurt. I think it was in the Europa League. So um, the writing was on the wall, the wall for a while for him. So were you still shocked when they fired him? I kind of was up until probably I think it was Monday. Um, the week he was fired because I was obviously following a few YouTubers and stuff and all that that are massive Arsenal fans and the guy that broke Pepe's deal and uh, Tierney's he heard that they're they're messing around camp and been shown around was saying he's what well, you believe it happened after the um, Southampton game that look the discussion's been had and look he's going to be fired this week and true enough it came it came he thought you might have thought it might happen by by Thursday but. The rumour is that it was done and dusted, but they obviously didn't want the Stan and Joshua flying in on the Wednesday or Thursday for the European game anyway. So they were kind of saying they gave the two players a day off that two players two days off that week um, after the Southampton game and said that oh, and even Arsenal's media was on lockdown. Um, oh, wow. And said, 
they said something, something's up here. Do you know what I mean? There's normally, normally on a Monday and, uh, and on a Tuesday, you'll see Arsenal's tweet there on Twitter. There'll be strong players coming out, stretching in after the weekend, you know, getting the head fresh for the following week um, and for Thursday night and all that kind of stuff. And nothing happened. And I think it just kind of had that kind of feel that there was something bellowing. Yeah. And it was, it was something was going to happen. And I think, I don't think Emery had much energy on Thursday nights when I was watching the game. Um, and the players just kind of, you know, went through the motions and kind of, even at the end you see Zach is smiling with some of the Frankfurt players like it was just kind of like someone knows something that we don't know or anything like that and then on Friday morning I think within the board meeting at 9 o'clock I think it was 11 o'clock or something he was gone I said to yourself last night was it Silva I said if Liverpool batter these they're gone he's gone and look I know <laughs> right, right. Well. yeah like I mean like Colin Farrell light is uh, out the window it's kind of um, it's, it's been a crazy couple of weeks really hasn't it like I mean like, like uh, Flores had the bullet as well at Watford also Pochettino with the like Tottenham started rather off with uh, Pochettino, but it's um, I mean it's it's kind of silly season really, like especially going up to Christmas with like such a like a, a big range of matches. It's uh, it's kind of a weird time, I guess. Um, I don't remember the history of the Premiership. So many managers have been fired in such a short short space of time. You know, I know, and like I mean, and, and managers like at the, the top level too. It's not just like the guys are in the relegation zone. So it's yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, like I, like I said last time I was on here, I expected Emery to be given the chance. I thought he would have like, but um, because he has a bill on things, you know, like yeah, he, the performance hasn't been great, and I think shots against us has been horrific. We've one of the, I think we've most teams have. A, the most shots against us, Sam, or something like twenty-one shots against us. Like, yeah, that's incredible. I know that was like, like, and it's so funny. Like, you know, like there's some games where you're like unplayable, you're amazing, and then other games, like like the Frankfurt game, for instance, it was god awful. And like, you look at how empty the stadium was at that game. Like that, that just says everything. So I think when once it starts affecting the revenue. They were always going to act it, probably. but um, well, I mean, like he's only been given eighteen months. It's not a very long time, really, is it? Well, especially considering who we replaced. No, it's not. Um, it, it, like, like I said, like, we were twenty, twenty-two years blessed with such, like, with Wenger coming in, and like he was an unknown. And Emery's come in, and it's not. He's managed PSG, Sevilla. You know what I mean? And and, and done successfully with them. And to only give him eighteen months, I think it's still. It's it very harsh. It is hard to watch. Like the results up until the last, but it was, it was getting progressively worse. Um, like I mean, the teams are just these are the more teams played us, the more analysis that happened to the games later on. That like the Leicester and, and Southampton, they just knew how to break us down. And I think that was <laughs> Frankfurt then knew how to break us down. I think that was going to get worse and worse and worse. Um, and I think the board felt that. They're just looking at like the uh, like the squad that you have. I mean, like this has been a problem with Arsenal even when Wenger was there. Like they like, I, I just don't think that they put the money where they need to. I mean, like like bringing in like David Luiz in the summer like was always going to end in disaster, wasn't it? I I, I was the optimist there. I thought like you know like an experienced World Cup player, experienced Premiership player. You know, thought do you know what a bit of, a bit of a bit of boost like the Tierney coming in. Bellerin coming back, obviously, that would be a bit of a solid defence there. And backing up, like Leno looked world class. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Part, like for the last couple of games now, we, we could have been could have been much worse. But it draws. Like you look at the top fifty games or sixty games between Wenger and Emery. You know, Wenger's last fifty, whatever. It was the same on part. Like I think he'd one point less Emery than when um, Wenger did, which just means that we haven't fixed our defensive problems. And again, you can stand over our front four or whatever you want to call it, front three or two. With Pepe, Lacazette, and Abamyang, they're world class. Also, world class, but we just seem to be broken at the back. And Wenger didn't fix it the last few years. Emery hasn't fixed it in the last few years, and um, we haven't patched it up. We thought Lewis was the answer. It's just there's something that right when we were defensive coaches wrong in the in, in the coaching staff, um, and if Freddie gets a chance, I think it's a personnel side of it too, though, Gary. I mean, like, like you you know, like David Luiz. I mean, like at that the World Cup in Brazil, he was a a walking fucking disaster. Like, I mean, he's just prone to mistakes. Like, I mean, like United went out and spent like 75, 80 million on Harry Maguire. And I think that's the sort of money you need to spend. Like, w- w- to me, it would have been wiser to spend the money that you spent on Pepe on a defender. You know I mean? Harry like, Maguire, to me, is not worth 80 million. And I, I, I don't think he's proven that whatsoever. The only player who's proven his worth over the last few years is Van Dijk. What an absolute bargain. Do you know what I mean that was yeah. that really 
really was what, what, what Klopp needed to solve his defensive issues with Liverpool. And again, I'm going to say they're going to win the league this year. Um, you know, he should have won the battle done because Van Dijk is just, he's just out of this world. For 75 minutes, I think it was, it seems like a bargain for me. Yeah, like, I mean, I remember the time everybody was like, this is like crazy fucking money. Because, I mean, in all honesty, he wasn't really proven because he'd, he'd play for Celtic and Southampton, which aren't. Like Celtic's a big club, I suppose, but like Southampton really aren't. <laughs> you know what I mean? True, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And like, like the fact that like when they paid the seventy-five million, everybody's like, "Are these guys fucking crazy?" And now look at it, you know, he's like definitely like, one of the best in the world, like if not the best defender in the world right now. And he was really mm-hmm. off with that Ballon d'Or. Like that was that's that's shocking. Oh, hands, hands down. Even first look at even Nelson. Like I think it was one hundred fifty million between the pair. And like, it, like and like you said. Klopp went out and bought where he had his his weakness and he and he, he got strength in there and won the Champions League last year. Gonna win the league this year. Um and Jesus, they're unstoppable. Yeah, I mean and all that came off the back of like getting rid of their best player, like Coutinho, who's like yeah. just just being cast aside into Bayern Munich now. So I mean like it's it's a great bit of business if you, if you look at like I mean, the cost for Allison and uh, Van Dyke was just taken care of with the money that they got for Coutinho, right? So it comes back to the topic. A good manager was brought in and he knows where his weaknesses are and he invests in it. With Emery, everybody in the country that's a football follower knows Arsenal are defensively weak. Whether they're a professional coach or a soccer fan, we know Arsenal are weak at the back and can be bullied and hassled. And yet, they're making the same mistakes over and over and over again. It just seems the last couple of weeks of Emery, it's always getting just progressively worse. And when you have the likes of Hampton hammering you, yeah, I think he lost the dressing room. I think that's like that was pretty obvious, right? I mean, like the players just didn't look up for it whatsoever. You know what I mean? Uh, so I mean, like obviously, like they put very young boys in contemporary charge. Do you think he could be the man to take them on, or would you like to see them go elsewhere? Part of me now, I was, I was on Arsenal's Twitter now. It was funny this morning. He was getting all suited and booted, getting measured up. And there's a part of me thinking, you know what? I think they're going to ride out the storm and give Freddie an opportunity. I just have that sense. I think the sacking came unexpectedly. If not, they would have had someone waiting in the wings, like Spurs did with with, with Pochettino. A couple of hours, and, and Marino was in was in the dressing room, really, or the, or the, or the still, hotel dress. Still haven't recovered from that, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, but I just yeah, I don't think Arsenal. I think the sacking came unexpectedly for everyone. I don't think they have anyone in the wings. I think they're doing a lot of whatever pressing to see who's available and who's the right fit. I think they will give to Freddie. I just have that feeling. I don't whether they'll give him a, a long-term contract or they will maybe give him like a year or two, but the whole ethos will be that, look, we're looking for a proper manager, but we need you just to control things and keep the get the positivity and morale back into the into, into the club and get the rapport back with the fans, get the fans to come through the gates, which is probably a bigger thing as well. Like against Frankfurt, 49,000 attendance. That wasn't 49,000 attendance and watching the game. So, yeah, it it didn't, and look, the biggest, and probably, think, I think it was with Marino as well, is a lot of the season tickets, uh, fans, even though they purchased the tickets, they weren't going, so you can imagine the revenue that's down on the day, especially like the club of Arsenal, Arsenal respective, you know, program sales, pints of beer, bottles of water, Coke, hot dogs, whatever you name it, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of money lost on the day, I mean, you don't have 49,000 people either shopping your, shopping your stadium, they're sitting at home watching it, they've only bought a ticket for X amount, you know, that money's banked already. Yeah, like looking at that game, it definitely wasn't forty nine thousand man. Like I've never, I don't think I've ever seen the stadium that empty. To be perfectly honest, um, so I mean that's why they probably did what they did. But I mean, um, for for me, like I, I think Freddie's in a kind of the tough position for him because I mean, like he he went in there as a coach, and if he does get the job and doesn't do well, he gets the ball. You know what I mean? Whereas obviously he wasn't expecting that to happen, so. Uh, and there's also been talk today now of Patrick Vieira taking over what do you think about that? Yeah I think he's gone into third favourites <laughs> like Fred Lumber isn't a fit he's he's coached Arsenal's under 15s he's an assistant manager at Wolfsburg he came back and coached under 23s he's an assistant coach at Arsenal in the last it's only in the last four years or something like that I mean so he's very raw in terms of a manager coming in and doing stuff you know I'd even put Frank Lampard has far more experience than what he's ever done and Frank has only done a couple of assistant manager jobs and coaching badges and Derby and now he's with Chelsea albeit doing a good job I just don't think Freddie has the, the credentials now look I might, if I if I get an egg in my face after saying that great <laughs> <laughs> but I don't it's still nil all here at the moment I'm watching it um, 
you know, I'm sprouting at 62% possession here. But um, I just don't think he's the right fit. I don't think, look, morale and stuff, yeah, he can probably get that going he's, and he can bring back the good old days um, in terms of getting the, the unity there and, and, the, and getting that unity back with the fans. But to carry the club forward and get European football at, by the end of the season, you know, I don't know, I'll, be, uh, I'll stay on the fence. Yeah, I mean, like, like the 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 fact that Tommy Patrick Vieira, it just means it just feels like they're just plucking names out of the air now because like Vieira doesn't have a very good track record as a manager. Like he didn't do very well when he was at um, New York FC, and now he's at Nice, and they're like sitting just above the relegation zone. They, they got hammered last yeah. night four one. So I mean, I, I I honestly think they need to go and get somebody who's tried and tested and just you know like somebody who's, who's going to come in and just get things done like you know what I mean it's, it's, well look that's what I think I think they're either they'll, they'll give Freddie in terms of the interim and hold out until the right one comes available like if you're asking me Eddie Howell hands down I'd break the bank for him I think he's done enough with Bournemouth and I think he'd want a new challenge Um, you know given what he has the the budget they're on the kind of they're, they're a lower league team but they're certainly a mid-table team in class now if you were to give him something like Arsenal with the the world-class players that they have, could he build on it? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, like, you bring Nathan Ake with him as well, right? So, <laughs> that'd be a good start for your defence, man. Like, he's a, he's a great player, that kid. So, I mean, yeah, it's like, I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, like they're going to, the usual names that come up, like Ancelotti and all those kind of guys. Like, I think, I actually think you're right. I think Eddie Howe would be actually a really good fit for you guys because he's, he's proven that he can work with young players and, I mean, bring players through and Arsenal traditionally have always had a great uh, academy and stuff like that so like I think he would do wonders for you in, in that respect um, whether he's the big name that the fans are craving though that might be an issue um, I think there's a bit of a, I think there's a bit of a I think the club I think the club would, fans would be happy to get someone like Eddie um, you know the the Allegri and all that had mentioned where he's been in the UK learning a bit of English and stuff like, I just I don't know he's been out of football for a bit not, not really for me Vieira like I said I wouldn't be happy with him either. Um, Arteta, I don't think he's going to leave Pep's side. Um, I don't think he's ready. Um, I mean, Rafa is another stopgap. I don't know. It just, there doesn't seem to be a manager out there or any pedigree. That's what I think would be better. Just oh, give Fred the interim. Marco Silva is av- available and uh, so is Flores <laughs> from Watford. <laughs> like, that, that, that Flores, Watford, Flores would come Watford. in and we'll sack him by Christmas. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's, like that Watford job is fucking poison. That's all it is. It's like it's just there's there's something like they've gone through so many managers, and then I think Marco Silva left them to go to everything. So I mean, like they they probably got a payout on uh, Marco Silva when he left. But like, yeah, you're right. I mean, like Mourinho was the only kind of big name that was out there, and luckily enough, like we got him. And I, let's see how that works out. But like uh, that was that was in the pipeline. That wasn't. Oh, there, there's no that, way. Sign for, sign for Sky Sports hang around a bit and wait for this to go the right way and then you'll be in in a couple of hours yeah like I mean there is like I would imagine like there is all sorts of talks going on behind the, the like closed doors like the week before that and because um, I mean you're right I've never seen another manager take over so quickly and to be perfectly honest with you like it's what they needed like I, I don't think like having just like a, an assistant just take over and temporary charge I, I don't think the club needed that I think they needed a direction you can already see like the, the difference in Deli Ali. I mean, he's, he's I, I'm going to say as well, I'm very, Spurs are going to win a cup this season and that's going to hurt <sighs> me big time. No, man, like that goal he scored last night was fucking incredible. But it's like the same old problems are there. Like, like just so many mistakes. Like the first goal, Casaniga's got to save that. And like, I mean, there's. I'm hoping that we have a bit of a clear out. I don't think it'll happen in January, but I think like the summer we're going to get rid of a few and bring in a few and I hope like starting next season, we'll we'll have a solid base there. So we shouldn't oh, be talking about we're talking about you. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Marino. Marino comes in on a three-year contract, um, short term to win stuff, and he gets what he wants. And yeah, you're right. He'll be a clear out. You'll buy big. You'll buy big players, and you'll be a different team. Um, and that's how I go that way with Arsenal. That's <laughs> what so we're hoping for. But, yeah, and I mean, I, I I can definitely see it. Like I mean, like the good thing is that it's coming up to January, right? So I mean, like the manager. But it's, it's all down to the board again whether they're going to like give them the, any manager the funds though, right? And I think if if it was me, like I'd be kind of like wanting guarantees before I went in, like of what I'm sure Mourinho did it before he he took over. 
like I need this, this, and this, and like make sure you get guarantees because I I honestly don't think that they backed them properly either. You know what I mean? Like they coming out last summer saying that we're we're limited transfer funds and all this shit. Like that's not the greatest way to be running your football club. To be perfectly honest, we've so always been very subtle. We've always been very subtle on what much money we have or what we don't have, um, and we've always said we'll buy the right player if we feel it right, fits right for our club we've always said it we've never been to be fair to us we've never thrown our money around and saying you know what um, yeah we're going after this we're going after that you know what I mean like we've always and even the four, 40 million and one pound thing we've always just we've never been right with transfers and it's probably better for us to be honest than, than do anything else <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that forty million one pound thing. Fucking, that's stuff a fucking legend. That man, Jesus Christ. That's our. That, that's, that's not Arsenal in a nutshell. That's Arsenal. Yeah, that's Arsenal in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you could you could add fucking Suarez, man. Like yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nuts. So Gary, I uh, I really appreciate you taking time out. I know you've got a like really busy coming up to Christmas and stuff like that. Um, we are we are going to be doing like a. Uh, Games of the Decade episode, so hopefully you can uh, join in on that one. Where else would be a couple of us probably sitting in the pub somewhere? You can just join us remotely and uh, have a beer yourself. 100%. And, yeah, um, so probably in the next week or two. Um, so yeah, man, I really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll talk to you sh- uh, soon. Super stuff. Yeah, listen, great chat, Jantel. Bring me sunshine. In your smile Bring me laughter All the while In this world where we live There should be more happiness So much joy you can give To each brand new bright tomorrow Make me happy Through the years Never bring me Thanks to all my guests for joining me this week. It was definitely a lot of fun. This week we crossed over the 1,000 listens threshold, so I really want to thank everyone for their support. We would love your feedback or suggestions for the show, so drop us a line on Facebook or on Instagram. You can find us at www.downthepub.ca, where you can also subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And until next week, cheers.